Hello and welcome to Isme and Conversation, a podcast all about advice for leaders of independent businesses. My name is Ed and I'll be asking our guests for the best pieces of advice that they've ever received in business and in life, as well as the worst pieces of advice. They'll also be sharing practical and implementable tips and advice for business leaders. On this episode, we have Erica Clegg from Larkenby. Larkenby help business leaders transform their culture with bespoke values. So we're going to be breaking down exactly what that means. And I think you'll be surprised and quite intrigued by Erica's approach to values and culture in business. So with that in mind, hello, Erica. Thank you for coming on Ismian Conversation. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Larkenby. Thank you. I'm Erica Clegg. I am the founder of a business called Larkenby, which is a culture consultancy. And our speciality has been fine-tuned over the last years to really helping business leaders focus on the specifics of their values. And having got that cracked, then we work together to help them use them to build and sustain a really good functional corporate culture. Now, we chatted briefly beforehand, so you know I'm only vaguely serious when I say, come on, business, culture, it's just another LinkedIn business buzzword, isn't it, culture? It's so sad that it is one of those words that has unfortunately been picked up and run with recently and therefore has become a bit buzzy. And funnily enough, I'm reading a book at the moment that was written about five years ago where someone was bemoaning culture being a gimmick. Um, And it partially amuses me and it partially makes me feel kind of sad and angry at the same time. Because actually, in my direct experience, culture is the absolute key thing to get right, to drive everything else in the right direction. And the more I see it, the more I believe that. Uh, You get your culture right, you get your people working together, you get people wanting to work hard for the business and for themselves, you make yourself absolutely the business of choice for your customer base, whether that's consumer, business, whatever it is. It helps you with new product development choices. It helps you with purchasing decisions. It it even helps with your processes internally. There is not a bit of the business it doesn't reach. It's anything but a buzzword. We're going to unpack your perspective on culture because I think people will be really interested to hear about how practical your application of culture is. But let's rewind and ask How did implementing a new set of culture and values change your previous business? And explain how that was the starting point for your passion for what you do now. The real starting point is this. I'm an abject coward. And I'm not the only one. And here's the thing. So I set up a a communications business called Spring 17 years ago now. Go back six years, five years, and by all accounts, from an external point of view, we were doing absolutely brilliantly. So I would never have told you this six years ago. But actually what was happening was externally things were looking great. The team was growing in scale. We were getting loads of new business inquiries. Turnover was actually really, really strong. But what was actually happening that was the sort of counterbalance to that that you couldn't see was the fact that we weren't holding on to those clients. Effectively, what it boils down to is we clearly weren't delivering the level of service that I would have wanted us to deliver. And clearly, alongside that, although turnover was growing, profit wasn't. And of course, as every business leader worth their salt knows, if your profit isn't growing, then say what about turnover? So there were problems and and I did feel that I needed to deal with them, but I really didn't know how. Now, 
At the same time, I just joined a peer-to-peer CEO mentoring group called Vistage, which is an American organisation. Through that organisation, we saw speakers. So we saw people who were talking about single-page business plans and about financial management and about values and vision and culture. And it spoke to me really clearly. It's one of those things that you just bump into it and it, it resonates and it resonated with me. And immediately I set to considering my own values and starting to take those into the business, into spring, to work with the team, to look at actually how those values could be brought in to start to form the agency values. And the truth of the matter is, when we got to the agency values, they sat very clearly alongside my own. And and one thing I would say is people at the head of an organisation, but also throughout it, probably are going to work best if they feel comfortable that their personal values sit comfortably alongside the organisational values. And actually, that's something I work through with clients. We always start with their personal values first. And having worked with those values, created those values into the organisation, the really key point for me is relentlessly working with those values to start to form culture. And what gradually happened over the course of time as we became clearer and clearer about what we stood for and what we were aiming for as an organisation and as individuals is the team became smaller because the team that we grew towards, although it was smaller, was far more strongly connected to our way of doing things. We had a group of people who were all facing in the same direction, were all aspiring to the same things, were all really pushing hard. So the values that we created were pushing values. I I don't believe in values that are soft and gentle. I believe in values that people are willing to work towards and strive towards. Fast forward four or five years, and we had a really great growing team of incredibly quickly developing people, growing their own capabilities and ambitions and careers so fast and so effectively that there was kind of nowhere for them to go. The outcome of this, actually, which I see as a wonderful outcome to a really successful set of values that drives this culture, was we worked over the last 18 months towards three members of our senior leadership team taking on the company through management buyout. Meanwhile, I'd been growing Larkenby alongside it for the last 18 months to two years. So that's now my complete focus. Back to that practical application of culture. How did, once you had your culture and your values in place, how did that help the business? How did it help you as a leader? And how did it help about those processes and systems that you talked about? It allowed me to have conversations of a directness and intensity, and you might even use the word candor, using words that we'd all agreed together as a team and that everyone had signed up to. So you can actually have much deeper, much more honest, much more critical conversations, and I use that in a positive way, by using your values. And I'll tell you when it really was clear to me that it was working. We had a pair of guys who were really, really good mates, are really good friends. In fact, they're two of the guys who are now owning the company. And they found it very hard to be critical of each other's work. About a year into the process, I overheard them having a conversation about one of the pieces of work that another one had done. And they were using the values to discuss where it just slightly felt it fell short. The people in the organisation were able to use the values in the same way that I could, which was to couch those really tricky, hard conversations to get the best out of each other. To me, absolutely showed it was working. That was that was a really great point in it. Clearly, everyone has a culture. It's about what drives it. And if you don't drive it as the business leader, 
then other things will. It might just be perceived behaviours that aren't the ways you'd like people to behave. So firmly grasping the values and the culture allows you really to define what they are. And then that comes through in absolutely every aspect of the business. So yes, it's behind reception. Yes, it's on the walls. Yes, you print it wherever you blooming well can. But also it's in job advertisements. It's in employment contracts. It's in the big mentoring and the little mentoring. What you've just described and and the story you mentioned about the two friends who found a way of critiquing each other's work, that almost sounds like values and culture becoming KPIs. It, It almost feels like they can be measured. Ed, that is such a good point. So values can be measured, although you need to create the measurements for them. And you're absolutely right. You've picked up on something I didn't mention, which is I mentored people using the values. And we did actually create metrics to sit against each of those values. Now, I'm a I'm a great believer in the power of instinct and of gut feeling, but you do need metrics because people do need to track progress. And the simple fact is, if you create a set of values that is strong enough and clear enough and that people can really grasp, then they're going to be specific. They're going to be clear. They're going to be active in the way they are phrased. And therefore, of course, you can place metrics against them. And you're 100% right. Yes, they form KPIs. They're not KPIs in themselves, but they form it. So where do companies start? They're hearing this podcast, they're starting on this journey, horrible term, and they're thinking about culture and values for the first time. Where do they start? So what I tend to find is there will be someone nominally at the top of an organisation, and they will tend to be new to the role. So we work with family businesses or businesses which have been family owned, but are changing shape. And therefore, they're established businesses. And someone will have come in as a new leader, maybe from outside, maybe from within the organisation. And what they will see once they come to that role is that things aren't quite running as they thought they were under the surface. If they're the kind of person who who recognises that that is something culture can address or it is a cultural thing, then they need to have the guts and the resilience to take that on as something that they're going to drive personally for the long term. Whoever realises that culture needs addressing and that the values need addressing has got to really accept that's going to sit as part of their brief for their tenure in that role. I'll work with them originally. I'll get my head around where they're trying to take things, what they see the problems are. I'll then meet their board, their senior leadership team. We workshop things just as a starting point, really, to get their heads into the fact that This is something that has value and that would benefit from the organisation addressing. They will then name people throughout the organisation and external to the organisation at every level. So, you know, I want to speak to apprentices. I want to speak to receptionists. I want to speak to cleaners, right up to people who are sitting in the senior leadership team, the board and all the way through middle management. What we do is we have a series of conversations with these people to really get an understanding of the character of the business, the words it uses, the the direction that people are heading in. And I see that almost like the snowflakes in a snow globe, that what we do is we surround ourselves with words and thoughts and moods and ways of speaking and ways of behaving and things that drive people in their real lives. And eventually what happens is those start to settle and we really get an understanding of the DNA of that organisation. Values are a really interesting thing because Values are often seen as being something which are quite nice and maybe a bit cosy, 
But actually, they've got to have a hard headedness. And what I want to see when I have these conversations is not what is there, but also what is missing. Because if I can work out where the organisation needs to change its behaviours in order to hit the vision that this, this leader has, then we can start to shape the values around what's there and what isn't yet there. And one thing about values is you're not going to hit them all the time. It's about driving towards them. It's about trying to hit them. It's about always wanting to achieve what the values set out. If they're too easy to achieve, then the values don't push enough. So they're the real, back to the idea of KPIs and metrics, values are the things that pull you along. They're the turbocharge that get you towards the vision. So having had the conversations with people where all of these ways of speaking and words and moods and the idea of what's missing and what's there, what I'll then go away and do is I will shape really an initial draft set of values. When I work on that draft set, it will be using the language that is accessible to people within and external to that organisation. Yeah. It will not be using management speak. From that, taking that out to culture Clearly, you need this leader still to be fully invested and keep that sense of personal investment all the way through. But then building out from them, you create a set of, you can call them culture champions, doesn't really matter what you call them, but people throughout the organisation from every level to work with those values, to look at actions and to look at inculcating the values through those actions into the organisation within their own bit of it. And they will meet regularly, let's say once a month, with this leader who's driving the whole process. They'll look at how successful it's being. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Erica. Now, this podcast is about advice. Ismi & Co. is about providing the best business advice. So I'm going to switch tack slightly and ask you, what is the first of the two best pieces of advice that you've ever received that hopefully you've got with you? So you asked me this about a month ago. And of course, it's been on my mind ever since. But very soon after that, I leapt onto my peloton and one of the instructors, Tunde, who's marvellous, she said right at the beginning of the ride, and I wasn't in the mood for it, she said, OK, guys, you've done the hard bit. You're here. Now commit. And I absolutely love that because I thought, OK, it obviously applies to this ride, but actually doesn't it apply to everything? Isn't the hard bit the getting there? You know, going back to the values piece. That starting point, that knowing we need to tackle it, that we know it's going to be hard work, but it's going to be worth it. Great. You've made that choice. Now commit to it, be it work, exercise, love, whatever it is. Turning up is the hard bit and committing to it is the key from there on. Um, now, the next question I've got here, what challenges do you face when you initially go into an organisation? By the very nature of the fact that they have a bit of a culture problem, the vast majority of people in that organisation are not going to appreciate me being there at the beginning. And as we work together on this process and as the process starts to be built around them and around their objectives, then you can see people start to understand the value it brings to them in their role across the organisation. Because everybody in an organisation, whether they're top table leadership, middle management, what might be seen as more sort of functionary roles, will be empowered by these values within the conversations that they have within their daily life. They will see the passage of their work be smoother. They will see the outcomes come better. And you start to see that happening quite early on. And you do get this sense of growing warmth 
towards the process. And at the end, I will walk out from a team that is very much warmer towards it and excited about it and eager to progress it. So values and culture, how do those things benefit a company when it comes to recruitment? Every company at the moment needs all the uh, assistance they can get when it comes to recruitment. So how does it work in that context? Values are about supporting people's ambition to drive to be better, to be something that allows them to grow as people and within their careers. And a really good, strong set of values will attract people who feel connected to it through their own beliefs and through their own values, who feel that it's going to drive them on. And I don't care where you are in an organisation, by the way. I don't care what your job is. There is not a soul who does not want job satisfaction. There is not a soul in the world who doesn't want a sense of having achieved something, having got through a bit of a challenge and come out of it the other side. Even if people don't realise that's what makes them happy, there's a lot more research now into the fact that true happiness really needs that sense of challenge. So if you've got the right values in place for the sort of people that you want to have working for your organisation, then it will draw those people, making it clear the expectations that sit alongside that, the expectations that people coming into the organisation can have is really compelling and really draws in talent. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. The second piece, if you please, Erica, of the best advice that you've ever received. I don't know if I received this advice or if I invented it, but I love this. (laughs) It is always reverse into a parking space. Does it have a wider application? It's a metaphor, isn't it? I'll tell you two reasons for always reversing into a parking space. One is it always impresses people. Uh, Two is it means you can get out fast. But actually, isn't it a metaphor for being prepared and doing the hard work early? My favourite bit of advice, always reverse into a parking space. Going back to my old life where I was in design consultancy, it was about the quality of the brief. You can't wing it. You've got to do your homework. I mean, certainly I have this when I go to work for an organisation to help them with their culture. I will do a lot of research beforehand. And, you know, thank goodness for the internet. We have all these resources available to us. I, I think there are very few situations that we would walk into now in our professional life where we can't have really started to get our head around things before we have those initial conversations. So metaphorically, reversing into the parking space is about planning and preparation. So flipping that advice question on its head, Erica, have you ever received any advice that you feel in retrospect might actually have held you back? When I was very small, about eight, I had piano lessons because you had to have music lessons and piano seemed like the sensible one. And I was abysmal. I love listening to music. I have no musical talent. And I hacked my way out to grade five. And we used to have some elderly friends who came around and visited for tea occasionally. The Reverend Bill Hope, he was a marvellous old school clergyman. And I was invited to play for him, which I really didn't want to do. And at the end of it, I said, oh, that was absolutely awful. And he said, Erica, it's good to be humble. You should always be humble. Now, what immediately sprung to my mind is, no, that wasn't humility. That was truth. I'm an appalling piano player. Notwithstanding that, that stuck with me. And actually, I think to a degree, humility is a good thing. I can't bear boastfulness or rampant, rampaging ego. However, I do think it has probably held me back at times. I think there are times where I think there are things I perfectly have the skills to go for, but have been held back by a sense of it not being quite my right to do it, it being something that sort of bolder, braver people than me would do in my place. 
And I suspect because of that, I've probably missed out on opportunities throughout my career that I could have gone for. Having said that, I'm also a great believer that where you've been, what you've done is what's got you to where you are now. And I'm really happy with where I am now. Well, with that said, Erica Clegg from Larkaby, thank you very much for coming on Isbian Conversation. Thanks so much, Ed. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been a good chat. Brilliant. Okay, thank you very much to Erica Clegg from Larkenby. If you found these pieces of advice useful and you'd like access to other experts covering all aspects of running a business, firstly, subscribe to the podcast, obviously, but also head to ismianco.com where you'll find all kinds of advice for business leaders. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time.